Welcome to the Upper Room. I'm your host, Caleb. Today we're going to be talking about one of the biggest stories in the Bible. It's the Christmas story, or the birth of Jesus. This podcast is really to touch on the things in the Bible from a cultural and historical perspective that many people just don't know. For example, that there weren't three wise men, and there were many more. And we're going to talk about that today, actually. So without further ado, this is the Upper Room. Alrighty, here we go. And before we get totally started with the podcast, I want to just address like why I chose to name the podcast The Upper Room. And one thing is, in the Bible, The Upper Room is used as the final place, the final supper, the room where they held the final supper with Jesus. And he just kind of explains what is about to happen and how he's going to use it for good. Also, there is a lot of mention after he goes up to heaven about his disciples and many of the followers going to rooms and upper places of houses just to connect with the Holy Spirit and stuff. And so really, it's just used for a lot of good in the Bible and as a place where a lot of his followers and a lot of people gathered, which is kind of what I'm going for here with y'all. Kind of a lot of people gather and listen and learn, which is what they did. But, anyways, we are going to get started with the first episode of the Christmas story. Now, to be able to completely understand what's going on at the time, we have to look at um, the empires of the time. And so, at the beginning of the area we're going to be talking about, it was first ruled by the Babylonian Empire, which was later observed by the Persian Empire. And inside the Persian Empire, they had a group of people, important people, called the Magi. And these people are basically a hereditary priesthood, meaning that uh, it was in the family, and there were priests. And so down the line, each family member became a priest, probably men during this time. And uh, the Magi is also what we later describe as wise men who come and visit Jesus. And then, historically, they're known as great astrologers. Um, but we see them as very good dream interpreters in the Bible, too. And due to those two combinations, they are appointed by many kings to their um, courts in their empires. And after some time, the Parthian Empire started to get a lot of Persians in its government. And the Magi began having a foot in the government. And they were given the power of the upper house, which is the council of magistrates, which is where we kind of get the term Magi. And this group's main job basically was to just choose and elect the king for the area. And they were trusted with that because of their, their dream interpretation. So they basically um, prayed to God and was like, what, what, or who should we put in leadership? And so they had this great wisdom and stuff, and they were very respected by these elders and these rulers. And so during the rule of the Parthian Empire, 
Rome had their empire right next door, and the only thing is between them was a buffer zone called Judea, which is today known as Turkey. And over several generations, the Roman generals and Rome in general um, tried to take Jerusalem, which was in Judea. Uh, Parthians decided to basically fight back and continue time and time again to actually beat the Romans. And eventually they helped Jerusalem uh, fortify its city so that the Parthians really didn't have to help them anymore. Um, Jerusalem was able to protect itself. And they kind of just left the picture, and we're dealing with our own stuff. Uh, later, the King Herod, we hear of in the Bible, he is given the title King of the Jews, meaning that he rules over Judea, but he wasn't actually in the city. And for several years, he was claimed to be King of Judea, but he can't actually go there. And it's not actually under his rule. And the people there hated him. And it wasn't even safe for him to go there. So he wasn't even in the city. And he was claimed to be ruling the city. Um, down the road. Five months of battle between Rome and the Jewish garrison. Which was the um, the army, the fortification of that was built for Jerusalem. There's five months of just battle and trying to take the city by Rome. And eventually, Rome does succeed, and Herod is now able to actually rule his kingdom and is now in the city actually ruling. And so this area isn't actually totally ruled by Rome. It's ruled by Herod, who is not Roman and is not a Parthian either. Um, but they Rome just kind of helps him get the throne because they're wanting this area... Um, to not be taken by Parthians, so they give it to somebody that they trust. And they were afraid that the Parthians were going to eventually try to come in and get it. So, as we look at this, the Parthians are still around. And they're still on the side of Jerusalem. And so, just imagine Herod being right between Rome and Parthia. And the people he is ruling hate him. And so they could call on the people that used to help them. Parthians, or Rome would have kicked Herod out in a heartbeat. Why? Because in a way they wanted the land, and if the but the people there didn't want to be ruled by Rome. But if the people would have rather called on Rome for help than have been ruled by Herod, Rome could have had a reason to come in and step in and take over that area and no longer have those people hating them. So imagine the nervousness of Herod that anything he could do could set something off in a way. And so if we go and look at Matthew 2, and we're going to be reading a lot from Matthew, but Matthew 2, 1 through 10, it will basically show how Herod, due to the wise men being Parthians and the wise men coming in to Jerusalem in that area, he is very troubled and scared. And so let's see. We're going to start in Matthew 2. 1. Matthew 2, 1. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, 
and all of Jerusalem with him. Now, we all think that there's three wise men. And so if you read that and you see Herod was troubled by them and by what they were saying because of one king that was born, like this is a baby, why would he be troubled by them? Well, if you look at who is coming into the town, the Persians, the Magi, who decide who their rulers are of Persia. And they are three of them, and he's scared of them, and they're on camels. That doesn't make sense. The fact that there is only three of them is probably false. They are given great power in Persia, and they are in a neutral territory that they have fought Rome over before. And the Persian king is actually almost is nearing the end of his life, meaning that the Magi are going to need to step in and elect someone new. And that means a new kind, a new king could step in and want land, like this buffer zone. And so Herod probably sees these people as coming in and scouting the area, trying to find a new king that Herod doesn't totally know is a baby at the time, because he doesn't know that they're looking for someone born. He's just saying that uh, that there's someone who has been born king of the Jews, for we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. And they know that their king is going to possibly be dying here soon, that they need to come pick someone new. And so he's seeing this as a, as a threat, kind of, that they're going to come in and overthrow him in his land because of this new king, and he's going to lose his life or his place of rule. And just another thing to clarify, there's nowhere in the Bible that it says three wise men. We get this idea from Christmas carols and cards, and we just assume that because it says three gifts, that there was three wise men that each gave a gift. Because we see pictures of these, of only three of them on cards, um, it's just how our brain has always pictured it. And the idea to say that there are maybe hundreds or thousands of magi is very likely. And so 300 or even 3,000 doesn't have to be a three, but like hundreds of thousands of these magi would have definitely have troubled Herod and the people of the city, even though they don't like Herod, just to see all these people coming in and possibly destroy or take over their city is what they, they are thinking. Because these people wouldn't have probably been on camels. They probably would have been on horses and probably would have had some sort of armor on so they probably, and weapons for traveling and something. So they probably would have looked intimidating, which is why these people would have also been scared along with Herod. And so we are also going to go to Matthew 2, 11 through 12. Here, let me find my place. Let me see. 2, 11 through 12. Actually, let's start at 10 just to get some context beforehand. But this is basically explaining when the Magi have started traveling and gotten to where Jesus and his parents are. So, when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. And when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary and his mother and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Notice, as it says, come into the house. All of us know that he was born in a stable, which is true. It was true. But they didn't come the night he was born. And 
the journey, the talking to Herod, and telling Herod that they've already seen the star means that that night he was born, star came. They started traveling, meet Herod sometime after, and then they continue traveling, and then they get, they get to where Mary and Jesus are. And now at this time, they are still in Bethlehem because they do ask Herod and his advisors where this baby would have been born. And his advisors come back with writings from the Old Testament saying they would have been Bethlehem. And so they are still in Bethlehem, but at this time, they've had enough time to possibly settle in, make money, and get their own place, which makes sense. But it's something we just, we figured they all came with the shepherds the night he was born, and it was all just one big thing, and it wasn't. I mean, scripture even says they're in a house, and it explains the traveling, how they've already seen the star. And another thing from what we just read is the three gifts. They bring gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Now, was there three gifts? Yes, there was at least three. There could have been more, honestly, um, especially with the idea that there wasn't just three people. They all could have brought some different things, but the majority of the gifts could have been gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Let's focus on the three that they state. Gold represents ha having a lot of money and high power, which is his godliness slash royalty. Jesus's, we're describing Jesus's. Frankincense was used by priests, which is why the Magi would have had them. And it's put into um, breads during certain events just to make it, like, I think it was like holier or something I found when I was researching this, um, or sacred, which would have represented his priestlyhood and his holiness. And finally, myrrh during this time is crushed up and used in burials to help preserve body, and um, this would have signified him, his propheticness and his eventual death and his reasoning, basically, for being here. And so the, these three gifts are the reason that they stated them, and you go back and look what they are used for and stuff. Um, during that time, it really kind of states who Jesus was and what he resembled. Now, I want to also read the line right after the three gifts in Matthew that says, it's talking about the wise men. Then, being divinely warned in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed for their own country another way. This shows how the Magi, because they're part of the Persian Empire, did not like Herod and what he was doing and decided to, to not listen to him. They thought that they, not that they had more power than him, but they didn't need to listen to him because they weren't threatened by him. And therefore, when he asked them to come back and tell him where the baby was, because we'll get to the, what his plans were if they were to come back. He tells them just to come back and to tell him where the baby was, and they don't listen. They go another way, back to their country, and it just shows more of how the Persian Empire didn't like what was going on in that buffer zone and what how Rome helped and stuff. And if we go a little farther to Matthew 16, we read, Herod was furious when he realized that the wise men had outwitted him. He sent soldiers to kill all the boys 
in the air, in and around Bethlehem who were two years old and under, based on the wise men's report of the star's first appearance. So again, it tells us the timeline of it wasn't the day he was born, Jesus was born. It was, it was months, probably maybe even years later, because of just how long it takes to travel during this time and when they saw the star and stuff. But it's kind of interesting that it says he was furious with the wise men when he realized they'd outwitted him. But instead of sending soldiers to go punish them for what they have done, he goes and sends for the boy. Because he knows it could be a threat to him, and so this possible king needs to be put down. But also, I think it also shows that the size was bigger than three, that he wasn't willing to send people to go after them. One, it could have been for how big they were, how big the, the group of Magi was, and that he knew that he couldn't really defeat them. And also, the idea that he knew that the Persians could take him out at any moment, and if he upset them with going after their men and killing some of their men, they could easily just come in and take him out. And that's very significant, that, that line right there. Anyways, let's go back to Matthew 13, where it says, now it's describing how in a dream, Jesus' parents were given a sign by an angel in a dream. It says, the angel said, Arise, take the, ch the young child and his mother, flee to Egypt, and stay there until I bring you word, for Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. And so they go to Egypt, and then eventually it goes back to that Matthew 16 that we read about him sending people to the area around and in Bethlehem to kill the young children, two, or young boys two years old or less. And the idea of them going to Egypt is basically, you know, Herod doesn't rule there. So they're safe in that area, and it's the closest country um, to Jer Jerusalem and Bethlehem area. And so, as I said, that he was picked two or younger because of that timeline and didn't know exactly how old Jesus was. But the incident of the killing of the babies in Bethlehem, or the boys in Bethlehem, um, some theologians actually argue that it didn't happen because a man by the name of Josephus, he was a famous author during this time, and he actually writes a book called The Life of Herod, where he describes Herod and just all these horrible things he does. And he describes how he killed people in his own family, priests, John the Baptist, and many others, but he never writes about this incident. And so they're claiming that, like, this guy basically wrote about this guy's life. It's not in there. Maybe it didn't happen. And there's some reasons that he might not have written about this. One, he didn't hear about it. And also, it wasn't that important. Because Bethlehem is so small, and the mortality rate during this time is so high, that very few babies of or boys of two or younger, or babies in general, would have even been alive. And it's actually probably safe to say that there's only 10 to 20 when you look at the numbers and um, the mortality rate of that time and how big Bethlehem was, there's only probably maybe 10 to 20 to our younger boys. And maybe up to 50, just both girls and boys together. But just boys, probably 10 to 20. So this incident is very few boys were killed. And it's one of probably the smallest slash least important 
cities in Judea of the time. And so just the idea that this was a big incident that just made Herod look bad. I mean, he definitely looked bad, but a big incident that everybody was talking about and that Josephus might have thought that his readers needed to know to see how bad Herod was is is probably unlikely and that Josephus would have known exactly who the baby he was going after. Like, he went after a lot of people that he seemed threatened by and that it was a it was a child. It's just not someone the child Jesus didn't have a lot of authority then. And so it wasn't someone of importance at the time for jo- Josephus to get the point across that Herod was a bad guy. Because there was incidents where he would kill just massive amounts of important priests or John the Baptist and stuff who had a lot of influence during Herod's rule. That it just showed that Herod had a lot of power and was a very bad guy. And so people would have known who he's killing. And just that's why he put those people in there. And also, for that exact reason, is why Josephus might not have seen it as a big deal. And I've heard about it because Herod was killing big-name priests and stuff. And these babies really had no names and were not that important. Um, anyways, once Herod dies, Jesus' parents go to Nazareth because they, um, they get the message back from God that they're allowed to go back to Nazareth. It's safe now. Um, and this is during his teen years and stuff, which fulfills the prophecy of Jesus being a Nazarene. Because that's where he grew up, mostly. And this whole story just has a lot to dissect. And it's just so important. And it's just something we don't really talk about. And there's a lot of details that we've misinterpreted over the years. And due to empires like Rome and stuff, it's begun to change and adapt to things like the Three Wise Men. And just them coming during the birth of Jesus, like, that same night. And that even Christmas is on the 25th of December. Like, it's all just, it's all from Rome and those pagan empires and stuff that happened back then that they all put their own twist on it. And it just, it just hasn't totally been truthfully told. And not many people are able to read and see and know the historical context and put them together to see the truth. But I hope this was very mind-opening and very enjoyable to listen to, and I know I'm not going to get everything right, all the facts and stuff, and there's definitely stuff I missed or I may have gotten wrong, so definitely do your own research, read the Bible to find your own um, ideas, interpretations, and maybe what's going on, do your own research to find your own evidence to prove it, but I hope I can help you and learn more about this amazing God that we have. Thank you. Have a great day and come back for episode two of The Upper Room coming soon. Thank you.